You are listening to Sozo, a podcast designed to help students find meaning and purpose in their journey to become healthcare providers. Let's start the conversation. Welcome back to the Sozo Podcast. I'm John Shen. And I'm Susie Lee. And we are continuing today with part three of a four-part series on the topic of failure. If you haven't heard the previous two episodes, this one won't make much sense. So I encourage you to listen to episodes one and two before starting this one. Again, we're listening to the story of Dr. Josie Bailey, an internal medicine resident at Loma Linda University, who has an incredible story to share about her experiences with failure. In episode two, we left off after Josie retook step one. If you recall, despite her extra preparation, she walked out of that exam feeling like she had failed, but she came to the realization that her significance does not come from her performance in medical school. So now we're going to find out what happens after she gets her step one score back. So here's Josie. So I came back here to Loma Linda and was doing some other things during that year that are very growing and impactful. And the day came for my score to come out, came for my score to be published. And the morning that the email came out, all those emotions that we've just talked about were flurring about in my stomach and my heart and my brain. And I opened the email, I opened the score report. And again, I saw four little letters and I looked at them and it said, pass. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, of course, the tears of joy, the overwhelming relief of saying, wow, I can finally move past this milestone and just keep pushing forward was indescribable. But it also drew me back to the whole journey of God saying, you have now passed, but don't forget where you've come from. Don't forget what I have now taught you. And, and what is it, do you think, that he taught you through that journey? So I was learning surrender. I was learning humbleness. And um, I didn't learn it fully from that test. There were more tests in med school that brought that on. But that was what he was starting to teach me because he knew I so badly needed to learn those lessons. I think the Bible tells us the worst sin of all is pride. And I definitely have a lot of that. And God has to, is like, he's been working on that from day one of biomed, day one of the application to med school. He's been trying to help me learn that lesson. But I always saw these hindrances as him just beating me down. So coming past step one, I was able to look back and try to recount again, looking at writing down my journey so I could look back. And now I could write at the very bottom, I passed step one on this date. The Lord is good and seeing all the difficulties that led to that point. That just brought a smile to my face because finally some good news in Josie's life. You know, she passes and we're cheering her on. I think the hardest lesson that we will ever learn in life is learning how to surrender our lives to God. And I think this is especially true and difficult for us who are in the health professions because as healthcare providers, we're put on a pedestal and we're expected to perform. People look up to us. And so we naturally wear that mantle. And in this field, you know, self-confidence and competence are celebrated. And the longer you train, the more competence you acquire, the harder it is to take a humble position before God and allow him to lead your life. <laughs> I know a lot of nurses who tell me, so when I was a med student, you're deathly afraid of nurses and if you're on your best behavior you just want them on your side because they can really make the difference 
and and even as a resident but a lot of nurses who are older tell me like I've seen a lot of you guys come by here and you know when you're young and you're a student and a trainee like you're so nice and you're so polite and you're so eager to learn and everything like that but something happens the moment you become like full-fledged doctors like you get a chip on both shoulders and then like you feel like you know how everything is and you start ordering us around and you tell us this and that you don't want to listen to anything we have to say and don't become like that Dr. Shen you understand I'm like yes sir I'll never become that way but the longer I train you know I feel like it reminds me of 1 Corinthians 8 verse 1 it says knowledge puffs up knowledge puffs up and inherently the more you know or the more you think you know the greater it's temptation to go out there and pat yourself on the back and say, I got this. Like, don't worry, God, you can, you can sit on the bench on this one. I can handle it. And this part of Josie's story actually kind of reminds me that we often ask so little of God and we are pleased too easily. At the moment, we might want to pass a certain test or get a certain job, but God wants to bless us more. Our definition of God's blessing might be, you know, matching into our top residency but we're capping God's ability to bless us. And his blessing can come through so many other ways that mean so much more. And I think Josie really felt this way at mm. the time where she passed step one finally, and she realized the lesson of surren- uh, surrender and humility. So when you think about the full ramifications of what learning that lesson has on your life, failing a test, even a test like step one, is a mm. small price to pay when you compare to the dividends of learning how to truly surrender your life to your creator. So I would say that in the divine calculus, things always work out in our favor if we hold on to faith. All right, let's turn back to Josie here. And of course, you know, now I start third year, I go through third year, it was a wonderful time. You're not with your class, so it's very different. And that in of itself was a very growing experience to be willing to just try to be incorporated into a new class where everyone has their cliques, everyone has already established their friend groups, but realizing you're always a light no matter where you are and encouraging those people. There were many times I was placed as a co-student with someone that had struggled as well. And we were able to encourage each other and say, it's okay, we're gonna get through this. You know, finishing third year then brings you to step two. And these steps just kept coming and and hitting me in the face. It's like, where are these coming from? Ah, and I decided with step two, I was just gonna go straight back to Florida because I had time with fourth year. There was time to go back to Florida. And so I did. And again, there were moments to speak to people about my faith, to encourage them, to pray together. That, you know, it's kind of like, okay, Lord, I wish I didn't have to keep coming down here to Florida or that, I wish I didn't keep having these difficulties in passing tests, but you're bringing people to me to pray with, and maybe I need it too. Maybe I need to keep remembering what I've been learning. And again, that my notes and my time in devotions during that time in Florida were on fire. Like They are some of the most beautiful times to remember of, again, it's because I felt so unable to do this by myself. I only had one source of strength. And it was God. And if I didn't tap into that, I wasn't going to be able to keep moving forward. What do you think was the difference that caused your devotionals to be supercharged in Florida compared to when you were in your normal surroundings here? I felt my need of God. And that's one of the greatest things any human can, a place they can get to, is to feel your utter dependence on God. And as human beings, we want to do it all ourselves. And like I said, I grew up as a child that was like, I will do it. Don't help me. I can do this. 
it's kind of a joke in our family because I was a very independent spirit. But that like was a hindrance in some ways because I felt like I could tell God, I can do it. I don't need you. And there have been times in my journey that I've been like, I just want to go back to Florida because I want to get back to that devotional state. Like, just let me go back over there. And what is the name of this Florida program, by the way? I'm sure a lot of people are like, what program do you go to in Florida? Yeah, so it's called USMLE Eagle. USMLE Eagle. Wonderful people. Very helpful. And they, going there, they, they never have the attitude of putting you down. It's always, we're going to build you up. You're going to get through this. We've all had difficulties. No one is better than anyone else. It's a wonderful group spirit to try to tackle a challenge. And you're secluded. You know, I had my room. I would go from my room to the study area, to my room, to the study area. And I really didn't do anything else. And you really don't. You don't have time because they have such a schedule set out for you. But it was, I think that was very beneficial for me because I was away from family. I was away from friends. I was away from my car. I was away from things I was used to. And all I had truly was my Bible, my study books, and clothes. And so you spend your time just in those two little worlds. So it was either I study or I have devotions. And you get so tired of studying, I'm going to do devotions. <laughs> so I came back from Florida, again, being rejuvenated in my devotional life and knowing, again, each little step, every time I would get to the backside of that step, I'd have a little bit less anxiety. And it's kind of like, okay, I've been through this before. We can do it again, I suppose. If I have to, I'll do it again. And it felt like God was, I have to praise the Lord because he's very patient. And I'm a very stubborn student. And uh, he has continually worked and said, okay, I will keep bringing this trial to you until you learn it. So let's just learn it. And that was a little hard to swallow too. Because like, well, I've done it once. Wouldn't that be enough? But he continued to work with me. I took step two. And by the grace of God, passed it on the first, the first attempt. Yay, I know. <laughs> Very yay. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow, this does exist, passing on the first time. And jumped into my fourth year. So more good news. She passes step two on her first try. Yay. Yes, yay indeed. And, you know, it's worth noting that Josie went prophylactically to this Florida program this time to prefer for step two. And it took a lot of humility to do that. Like she's acknowledging before she even tries, she says, you know what, I'm going to need extra help to prepare for step two. And you know, pride is the greatest obstacle to learning. And this is especially true when you're struggling. Acknowledging that you need help and getting it early is really the best decision you can make. So Josie may not be aware of it yet, but I think in teaching her humility and dependence, God is laying for her a beautiful foundation upon which she can effectively build a lifetime of learning. And she can do it safely. So kind of like what you said earlier, Susie, our trials in life are blessings in disguise because they remind us of our need mm -hmm. for God. So anything that makes us feel our need for God, it has to be a good thing in the end, right? And so this is why God did not remove the thorn in Paul's flesh when Paul asked him repeatedly. And Josie capitalized on this to supercharge her devotionals as she prepared for step two. So I thought this was a very smart move on Josie's part. Now, up to this point, my plan had always been, I'm going to be an OBGYN. I felt like that was, is what I had been called to. That's what I had put my time into research with. That's where I had spent moments in third year. I would get off a rotation and go straight to the OB floor and hang out with them and like work with them. I'd put a lot of time and energy into becoming an OBGYN. 
and I felt like God had said, this is where I want you. Now, OBGYN is a competitive field, and having failed step one, people would tell me it's unlikely for you to match into it. But I was not willing to give up on something I loved so much just because of that score. So all through fourth year, my plan was interview for OB, do away rotations, apply, and you're gonna match into OB. And now that I had passed step one and step two, I felt like, okay, maybe things are starting to go my way now. And that there were little breezes of fresh air here and there that was like, okay, this is where you're supposed to be headed. I entered the interview season. I had, because of step one, I had four interviews, only four interviews, which is very low statistic to actually match because I was doing all the number calculating, like what would be my probability? How many programs did you apply to? (laughs) (laughs) It was a very expensive interview season. I applied to over 50. Wow, wow, that's money for each one. Mm -hmm. I felt like this is really where God called me and if he called me to this, I was gonna go all out. I was gonna go all out. And were they just OB programs? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and then you applied to 50 programs and you, you got invitations from only four. Mm-hmm. And some of those were because I had gotten an away rotation there. And so they said, while you're here, we'll interview you. So it had never been like an official ERAS invitation. Two of those had not been official ERAS invitations. They were like, you're here, we'll interview you, and we'll put you in our system. I see. So again, very discouraging, kind of like, well... I guess my plans really aren't my own plans. Like the Lord has a different idea of what he wants to do. But I kept going back to my list, how God had led in the past, um, back to the Psalms promise of I will give you the desires of your heart. And I was claiming these things over and over, stating, okay, God knows what he's doing, but he also, he's also willing to give you blessings that look like miracles. And so I was hanging on to that. That I was like, this will be a miracle story. This will be a way that, back to Romans 9, 17, this will be a way for me to stand up and praise your name. Like you have shown your power in me. I can praise you through getting into OBGYN. So I kept telling God this. And I've learned, God doesn't really like it when you tell him to do stuff. <laughs> he's he's kind of like, I will help you through it. But you're not the commander of the universe. So made it through my interviews, made it to that wonderful time of fourth year called match season and put in my rank list of my four spots, submitted it ahead of time just because I didn't want to be one of those people that accidentally didn't get it submitted. I was like, that's the last thing I need happening in my story Mm -hmm. is to be like, oh no, your list didn't get submitted. The week after submitting it, it was like a a week gap before match day. I got an email from the OBGYN director and she'd been helping me through this whole process, you know, walking with me keeping it real, but also encouraging me. And she called me in and she said, Josie, I think you need to apply for a transitional year. Now, very quickly, for those of you who may not know, a transitional year is a year of general training where you rotate through multiple different specialties. And many surgical residencies are structured so that the first year is a transitional or preliminary year, followed by three more years or three or more years in whatever designated specialty you're going into. So in the case of OB-GYN, the first year, I believe, is a mix of general medicine and OB-GYN training, followed by three years of just OB-GYN training. And this makes a total of four years of residency. And the fact here that Josie's advisor was recommending that she apply for a transitional year program meant that she feared Josie would not match into any of the OB-GYN programs on her list. 
And if she listed a transitional year program as a backup, since they're much easier to get into, at least she would be making headway in her training as she prepared to reapply to ob the following year. And for those of you who may not know, to quickly describe how the match system works here in medicine. So the match system is kind of like the e-harmony of medicine, where they match up like med students and hospital programs. So what happens is during the interview season, you know, students go out there and well, students apply to all these programs that they're interested in interviewing at and they get interviews. And then you go on your interview trail, you interview at different programs. And once all that is done, the students come up with a rank list and they rank all the programs that they care to potentially match into. So you don't have to rank every program you interviewed at, but you rank them into a list from the one you like the most to the one you like the least in that numerical order. And the hospitals, the programs also do the same thing. They, of all the students they interviewed, they go ahead and they rank them according to how well they like them. And if they really didn't like a student and they would rather not fill a spot than to have a student, than, than to have that student go in there, then they don't list a student at all. So you have the students' rank lists and then you have the hospitals' rank lists. And then a computer on match day, behind the scenes, matches up the best pairings. Because if I rank a uh, hospital number one, but that hospital program ranks me number 205, <laughs> now that's not a good match, right? But if I rank a program like number two, and that program ranks me number three, then that's a fairly good match. We're high up on each other's list. So this algorithm matches people, and you're at the whim of the match. So in some ways, it's reassuring because it's out of your hands, but in other ways, it's terrifying because it's out of your hands. And this way, everyone kind of finds out on the same day where they're headed for training, and it's kind of the culmination of medical school. So let's go back to Josie's story. And that was very crushing to my spirit because it's like you have been the one that has, has supported me since first year, since biomed year, knowing I wanted to OBGYN, and now you're telling me I need to apply for something else. And she said, I just want you to do it prophylactically just to be sure, because I would hate for you not to have something to match into. And so I took her advice. I applied to a TY year and got an interview in that last week and put it on my rank list and then resubmitted. And of course, I put it at the very bottom. It's like, this is not what I want. So it's going to the bottom. And that Monday rolled around where it tells you if you've matched or if you've not matched, but not where or what you've matched to. And just so that people listening understand. So OBGYN, if I matched into that, it would be a full four-year commitment. If I matched into TY, it would be a one-year commitment, a transitional year. And so I opened my email Monday morning feeling wonderful about how God had led in the past, all the things I had written down on my list of the encouragement I'd gotten from the OB department, the encouragement I've had from residents saying, you're going to get OB, you're going to get OB, it's going to be fine. Opening that email, I was like, okay, it is going to be okay because God's given me all these indicators that I'm going to end up in OBGYN. So I opened the email, and it said, congratulations, you have matched to a one-year position. And again, I felt like I was going through the same, the same emotions from step one, from pathophys, from biomed. I was like, really, God? Really? Like, when do you call it quits? When have I had enough? So, yeah, I praise the Lord that, you know, I had a position. So I'd matched into something. I praise him now, I should say. At the moment, I was, I was floored. I truly felt like, okay, I, have, I felt like I'd been thrown into the valley over and over and have tried to make it back up the mountain and just kept getting pushed down, pushed down, pushed down. And 
this was the point where I truly second guess. I was like, maybe all my prayers and thoughts from college when I felt you were calling me to med school were wrong. Maybe I misinterpreted it. Maybe I should have gone into something else. So yikes, another setback, right? She applies to over 50 ob programs, gets only four interviews, and then matches to none of them. Flashback to biomed experience. <laughs> right. Yeah. So remember that ob going into ob had been her plan from the very beginning. And despite all the obstacles that she has overcome to get to this point, here at the finish line of med school, it seems that the rug is once again pulled out from under her feet. Mm-hmm. And what I found notable is that Josie here begins to doubt if God had actually led her to medical school for the first time because her attraction to medicine was based on her interest in ob And this is a different kind of setback from the previous ones because if you fail a test, it's something that gets in the way of your destination, but it doesn't change your destination. If you fail step one, it doesn't mean it's not going to change the fact that you're praying that God will help you to do better next time so that you can ultimately go into ob However, when you fail to match into ob now it's like God is moving the goalposts. And you're wondering, was this truly his will all along? And if Josie was misinterpreting God's will here with something that she was so certain of, what else was she misinterpreting as God's will? Was the whole thing just a figment of her imagination? I don't know. So let's continue to listen. I went back to my, my notes from step one, step two down in Florida. Because that is where I had the strongest walk with God and that's where I had been so encouraged. And so I dove back into those notes to try to find if he had given me a hint of why he would have done this, if he had been trying to tell me, hey, this is going to be the next step. It's an, ex- it's an extremely difficult position because you have, you have that faith you've been building and that God has then finally given you those passing scores, but now you just feel like all of it was for naught. And rebuilding that faith, you're like, well, this is going to take time for me to trust you again. And I'm trying to remember exactly how that like had gone down in my heart because I know there were definitely days where I was like, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. He can't care because he keeps doing this to me over and over again. But then again, those promises that I had claimed so long and so hard in med school would keep coming to mind. And this is where memorizing scripture comes in because once you put it into your brain, it's always there. And if God can pull it from somewhere in your brain, he's going to remind you. He's going to flash it to you, say, hey, don't forget this. Don't forget this. And it was those little little glimpses of him reminding me of those promises that just kept me hanging on to what I felt was just like a little tiny thread connected to his rope. I was like, I was just hanging on to that little thread. There are many times I was like, I'm just going to let go and see what happens because I feel if I let go, everything would be a lot better. If I just try to do this in my own strength and figure out some other way, I think it would be better. But it was truly because I had hid away in my heart some of those promises that I just kept that. It was probably just like a finger (laughs) grasping that thread, saying I'm not going to let go. In the midst of her devastating disappointment, I think it's really notable that Josie turns back to her devotional notes from Mm -hmm. Florida um, when she felt nearest to God. And the scripture promises she hid away in her heart during that time prevent her from giving up. And, you know, Susie, I think this really highlights the importance of scripture memorization. For a long time, I don't know if you can relate with this, but I felt like it was enough to have just a general knowledge of the Bible and what it says without really memorizing it word for word. You know, you can look it up on Google or something real quick if you want the exact reference and the wording, but 
know, you kind of know enough to paraphrase to get the gist of it. But however, in times of trial, it's amazing how your understanding of the Bible promises can get fuzzy if you don't have them memorized. Words matter. The exact words matter. And the words speak to you with more power and clarity when the Holy Spirit brings them to your remembrance during your time of need. But the only way that that can happen is if they were stored in the first place. Right. You know, the Holy Spirit can't bring to your remembrance what you never learned to mm-hmm. begin with. Hey, do you have an experience with that with scripture memorization? And if you found it helpful or the Holy Spirit brought it to your remembrance during trials? Yeah, actually, I don't know if you had this like similar experience, but I remember in primary when I was a really small kid, we would have uh, Bible memory verse like songs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that we used to sing and it was like a great way to memorize verses for us and actually i remember almost every single one of them (laughs) very effective yeah it was and i think during the times that i've really had struggles in my life like those songs will really come into play and Mm -hmm. you're like where did this come from like how do i remember this but god just like can place things into our minds when we really need it most and he can only place those in our minds when we have them in our minds. Mm-hmm. And I think by memorizing scripture, whether you know it be now or when we're younger, God will use those memorizing skills, I guess, to help us when we really need it. And you know, um, I feel like there's a lot of things that I still remember from my little, you know, primary role. You know, when yeah. I was a little kid, <laughs> you sing these little songs in yeah. church to help memorize scripture. Right. And those are the ones that have really stuck. Yeah, stick the longest. And, and, and to this day, because I remember we memorized the Ten Commandments kind of in song form, but mm-hmm. also in a King James version. <laughs> I cannot recall the Ten Commandments apart from the King James. Yeah. Like, I can read it in different versions that make more sense, but mm-hmm. I still have all the thou shalts and everything in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only, so, so once you get it in there, the Lord can really use it right. to your advantage. And he knows how to bring it out in time of need. And I, I've been amazed at how things that I've memorized just in the past week, God brought to my remembrance over and over again during specific times mm-hmm. of trial. And I started wondering, could it be that he led me to memorize exactly what I needed this week? And perhaps, maybe, yeah. but I feel like the scriptures are full of so many important promises mm-hmm. that anything you memorize, almost, you'll find applicability at some point during the week. Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder just how much more does God want to bring to my remembrance in terms mm-hmm. of scripture promises that he's not able to simply because I haven't taken the time to commit it to heart. Right and hiding his word in your heart. That could be a whole nother podcast episode. <laughs> but this is a recurring theme in the Bible of how to keep you from stumbling and how to keep you abiding in God. So I think it's very instructive to me that during her lowest of lows, Josie turns back to this place and the scriptural promises that she stored away in her heart during a time when she may not want to search the scriptures with all her heart, it bubbles up to the surface and encourages her and prevents her from letting go of faith. It's amazing to hear how much Josie held onto her faith and trusted in God's promises to her during this difficult time in her life. It could have been easy to give up on everything, but she still held onto her faith. Join us in the next episode to continue to hear how God led her after medical school and into her residency program.